Boom, put boom, 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 I've been working extra this week to cover some shifts. I decided to splurge a little bit. Of course, you can always log on to our website. It's a great way to support the show, asidebsidepodcast.square.site. We've got all kinds of goodies on there. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, puzzles, blankets, coffee mugs. Um, so since you've been working a lot this week, have you had a chance to check out anything new? Uh, I really haven't. It's been uh, NCAA tournament, both men's and women's, and lots of work. Uh, I did... Uh, discover uh, this series on Hulu that I haven't that I've added to my queue, but I have not started watching. But evidently, there's three seasons of it, and it's called Genius. And the first season uh, is about Albert Einstein, I think. But the one that caught my eye is it is a biography series about uh, various famous influential people, and this season is about uh, Aretha Franklin. So uh, I added that to my list and I'm super excited to kind of dive into that. It looks uh, like it's not just a like biography or like using found footage that they have actors portray some of the roles and, and Is kind this of the tell one with Cynthia Arrivio in it playing Aretha? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm, that is on my list to start. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I, and I had never heard of, and I guess, like I said, there's three seasons, totally missed it. So I've been on Hulu watching Elementary this last uh, last couple of weeks, and it uh, popped up in one of the ads, and I was like, well, that looks really interesting. Speaking of Hulu, Handmaid's Tale comes back next month. I think lots of people are excited and ready for that, because it's been almost two years now since the, the yeah. last one. Um, I finally got around to watching Antebellum with Janelle Monet, um, mm-hmm. and that's a Jordan Peele that's another Jordan Peele one. And, you know, it got a lot of, it's got a lot of mixed reviews, but I'd heard a lot of bad reviews on it um, initially. Uh, and I figured I, I watched it because I was watching, I went to um, watch Nomadland on Hulu. And mm-hmm. then I saw that one come up as well. So I was like, well, I'll just make a day of it. And I watched both Nomadland, very good, but um, it's slow. Yeah. Don't expect explosions and police chases and shoot 'em ups or anything like that. It's just it's a very character driven movie. Francis McDormand is really good in it, but it is it's just about a person's it's a slice of life story. So um just know it's not like exciting, but it's a good story. Right. Yeah, just gotta know the style that you're going into. Right. But uh, I actually enjoyed, rather enjoyed Antebellum. Um very Jordan Peele in which, and that means that there's, of course, a message behind the movie. So mm-hmm. uh, that is the case with every Jordan Peele movie, it seems, since Get Out. And, um, but I enjoy it. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't, it was not what I was expecting at all. And um, some good twists and turns. Janelle Monet did a pretty good job. A bunch of the other actors, I don't know their names. You see them in bit roles. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought it was pretty good. It, it always seemed like one of those movies that just didn't work well as a trailer. 
No. You know, like it was, there was too much to really put into like 60 seconds for people to really get, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's when it's a superhero movie, it's like, Hey, look, good guy. Hey, look, bad guy. They fight. I mean, that's, you can get that across pretty quick, but sometimes movies are just too involved to really work as a trailer. And sometimes I think that that works against them. And then studios will try to make the trailer seem like it's something it's not to be so more exciting. Yeah. That's kind of the case here. I mean, they really, there's not much, they, they really couldn't do much with the trailer because I feel like it would give it away. Yeah. There was so much going on. Um, I did hear about Minnesota's new law. You guys are real cutting edge, aren't you? You know, the new law yeah, where if someone is drinking or they take drugs, mm, it can't be considered rape. Yeah, that was uh, that was not a great moment for our state. And hopefully that's something that the legislature can adjust the law so it is not interpreted that way. Because uh, it sounds like it was a very poorly written law. I hope that's all it is because that is, that sucks. That someone who has been drinking, even if it's, I don't care how much they've had to drink. I don't care if they're blackout drunk or had a sip, but because they took a drink, if they (laughs) have non-consensual relations, it's not really considered non-consensual because they had a drink. Yeah, it's, it's completely absurd. And I don't understand how that could even, a law could even make that a potential thing that you think is an outcome i i don't know how we got here go minnesota (laughs) way to be progressive (laughs) speaking of handmaid's tale (laughs) yeah it's just for a state that is we have a very strong divide uh politically where you've got some people on the very edges of both sides uh so it's i i just don't it's weird because it's not like this was a law that anyone had heard about uh, that this had been discussed before. Uh, so it kind of felt like it blindsided everybody. So I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how we got to this point and how this has not been a story before it gets to the Supreme court. Whew. But bringing it back to the good news, second episode of uh, Falcon and the winter soldier was really yeah. good. And got a lot more going into a little bit more of the history and some of the backstory and some of the, you know, we've gotten the really polished, you know, version of the Captain America story. And there's a lot more gray area that luckily the comics have delved into over the last, you know, 15, 20 years Mm -hmm. after really not doing a whole lot with it for, you know, 50, 60. Uh, So it's, it's encouraging to see the series taking, some of those newer uh, stories and weaving them into the, you know, mythos of Captain America. Of course, if you have, even if you haven't watched it, you've of course seen the the memes of the new Captain America. That is actually Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell's son. Yeah. I had no idea they had a kid. I guess he's been in a bunch of stuff. Oh, he has. He's usually, the reason he's unrecognizable is he usually has long hair and a long scruffy beard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he definitely looks like his dad when he, a couple times in this, in this episode, you're like, oh, there's Kurt Russell. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, And that's also uh, Kate Hudson's brother, you know, um, Mm -hmm. because of Goldie Hawn, but. 
Uh, yeah, so I am, have made the joke that the new Captain America and his buddy um, look like the Walmart version of Captain America and Black Panther. Yeah, yeah, it's cert- certainly uh, Captain America and Battlestar is his uh, sidekick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new Captain America played by uh, John Walker uh, is the character's name, not the actor, but the actor. Wyatt uh, Russell is the Wyatt, actor's yeah. name. Uh, yeah, so th- they come straight out of the comics, but they sure look like, you know, when you, when you were going to go get the Legos, but they were out of Legos, so you got that thing that looked kind of like Legos, but wasn't as good, but still he had, ordered- like, the blocks with the points on them. He ordered them from Wish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, like, almost, like, I have I have one of my favorite stocking caps that I've ever gotten. I bought in at a street market in New York City, and it is a knockoff, you know, stocking cap, and it's got... Uh, Harry Potter, but it's spelled H E R R Y, and instead of H A R R Y, it's just clearly a knockoff. So they wouldn't have to. This is kind of how I feel about the new Captain America and Battlestar. They're like just quite there, but not really all the way there. It's like it's not a Rolex; it's a Rolex or something. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty close, but you can tell it's not really the genuine article. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't want to do any any spoilers or anything, but. I don't remember Captain America using a gun a whole lot and that's already something that the new guy has done. So that to me was a pretty, pretty obvious change. It'll be interesting. I do love, which I kind of was expecting with this anyway, the whole buddy cop. Um, There is definitely Mm -hmm. a a very buddy cop movie feel to this, but it's different because they're superheroes. Um, Yeah. But uh, there was like a, I don't want to have any. I don't want to give any spoilers, but there was a really funny scene with the where there there's this forced interaction between Falcon and Winter Soldier, and uh, it's really pretty funny. They 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 those two actually have a very good chemistry together on screen. Yeah, I, I think that's why it works because it would be so easy if these two if the the actors didn't have chemistry and and or the characters didn't have chemistry for people to just kind of get annoyed. Mm -hmm. Like buddy cops movies only work when you like both characters and actors and you want to see it work. Otherwise it's just like, like one of my favorite movies to love hate is Tango and cash. And you've got Sylvester Stallone and is it Kurt Russell? It is Kurt Russell speaking. Kurt Russell. And they, they do not have much chemistry at all. And it really drags down the movie. And it, it you feel like it could be good. And I wanted it to be good. And I've watched it so many times. And I still kind of love it. But it's just, they, it really feels like the two actors are not having any fun. And they do not like what they, they were both like, I need the paycheck. <laughs> Which, hey, nothing against that. I do a lot of things because I need a paycheck. Yeah. Um. Real quick, before we get into the episode, a couple of... Um trailers dropped today because of course regal theaters are opening up again next month um or Mm. tomorrow well not tomorrow but next month starts tomorrow but yeah regal theaters are are, are opening and i think movie studios are excited of course godzilla vs kong is now out and on hbo max so if you have hbo max you don't have to pay extra it'll be on there for 30 days but some interesting trailers drop. So I already mentioned Handmaid's Tale season four is coming out next month. But Spiral, which is like a Saw 
sequel mm. spinoff, and it's got Chris Rock and Sam L. Jackson. Oh, which is really like imagine the two of them in a movie, and to top it off, they're in a Saw movie. I mean, it's pretty cool. There's only certain horror that I can do, and that is one like i like psychological thrillers and that to me is more psychological thriller than horror mm-hmm. and then um jason statham who was not voted sexiest bald man in the world nor was the rock nor was boris kojo it was prince william i don't agree with that mm, sorry um wow what but, yeah i no i don't agree with that i didn't even i mean that feels like the monarchy set that up to be like, Hey, don't pay attention to Harry. Yeah. It, that's, there's so many other bald, sexy dudes like well, Prince William. There's probably other bald princes. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, there's gotta be somebody sitting down in Monaco. You know that. Seriously. Like you have literally Shamar Moore. You have common, you have Jason Statham, you have the rock. And you were like, Prince William. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Yeah. So that, that was a, that's a total setup. But anyway, I'm just like, like oh, whatever. Me- Megan's on Oprah. Well, we'll do this. That'll yeah. show him. Yeah. Seriously. We're going to name Prince William sexiest bald man alive. No, <laughs> not even in England. Okay. Yeah. Not even in England. Probably not even in the, in the, palace there's probably like a security guard who's just like jacked you know they're like hey that guy's really attractive um so jason statham has a new movie and it's called uh, wrath of man and of course it's the most jason statham of movies and i believe it's a guy Ritchie directed which they do really well together anyway yeah. guy Ritchie and jason statham so uh yeah it looks really good post malone is actually in it and the trailer gets taken out which i was like ha not that I don't like Post Malone, because, I mean, you know, he's fine or whatever, but it was yeah. just funny. It was just a, yeah, yeah. Uh, Josh Hartnett is also in it. Evidently, Josh Hartnett yes. is still Josh, you know what? Uh, Josh Hartnett kind of made a comeback when Quibi was around because he was in the Kevin Hart uh, little action comedy show with oh. John Travolta. He's a, he's a Minnesota boy. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, he's, he's come into our restaurant. Okay. Yeah. All right, so... Okay, I guess that's enough movie talk. Besides the A side, that is. <laughs> yeah. which, which is all about movies today. <laughs> all right, so episode 38 means you're up first. And that means I am first up to bat, which is a theme that we will continue through the entire A side, as this is one of my favorite weeks of the year. Uh, and it didn't even happen last year, which means that this year I'm even more excited uh, than normal. And that is because tomorrow, April 1st, which is April Fool's Day, but I forgot about that completely, is the opening day for Major League Baseball. And since I was a little kid, the opening day of Major League Baseball is probably a bigger holiday to me than almost any other actual holiday in the entire year. Uh, Tomorrow, there will be every team will play a game, so there will be... Uh, all 32 teams playing baseball tomorrow, and there will be on ESPN a four-game doubleheader. So I will probably watch baseball for 12 consecutive hours, 12, 15 hours, depending on how long the games go. Uh, and it got me thinking about 
how I really got into baseball when I discovered this love of the game and why there was this big period of time in my life where I just kind of ignored baseball. And as I was kind of digging into it, I was also thinking like, Hey, I got to do a a side this week. And there are so many great baseball movies. Why don't I say, you know, my top five baseball movies, which I thought would be really easy. Then as I started to write them down, I noticed a very strange trend and there it became this almost twilight zone type of thing where I looked at a four year period of my life and almost every baseball movie that I connected with came out from 1992 to 1994. And in 1991, it was the apex of my baseball love affair as the Minnesota Twins won the World Series in an epic seven-game series against the Atlanta Braves. I was so intense watching the games that my parents made me go downstairs. I watched by myself in the basement because I was jumping up and down and distracting and getting in front of the TV and screaming at the TV uh, at the age of 10. Uh, so they could watch it upstairs without me uh, distracting them. We actually were so frustrated with the national broadcasters and how it felt like they were always cheering for the Braves instead of the twins that we would want, we would watch the TV, but then turn on the local radio broadcast and everything was off by about a half second. Uh, if not a full second. So it was like kind of watching things in delay. It was very strange. Uh, but that was the probably the happiest moment of my childhood is when the Twins won the World Series. Uh, maybe even game six when Kirby Puckett hit a home run and Joe Buck uh, says, uh, we'll see you tomorrow night, uh, which I can still hear and see. I ran around the house. I was you know, literally ran out and just screaming out into the, the neighborhood running around. Uh, it was probably the biggest moment. And then my love affair with baseball continued over the next three years because all of these movies came out about baseball. It felt like baseball was the one sport that Hollywood was focused on for the early 90s. So in 1992 alone, one of my favorite movies, period, but my favorite baseball movie, uh, A League of Their Own, came out. I had absolutely no idea that there was the a women's baseball league during the war, that any of this existed. I was blown away. I remember at first I thought it was a made-up story because I had never heard of it before, and I tried to read all these books about uh, early baseball. I'd read autobiographies of, you know, uh, Pee Wee Reese and the Brooklyn Dodgers and Jackie Robinson and Duke Snyder and read about the Negro Leagues and Satchel Paige and Josh Gibson and, and Cool Papa Bell, who was the fastest man. And in fact, Satchel Paige had a quote about him once that said, Cool Papa Bell is so fast, he can turn off the lights and get in bed before it's dark, which is still one of the coolest lines. Satchel Paige has some of the greatest quotes ever, but I had never heard. Yeah, I mean, and you, that's just like so clearly like this is the fact this guy is ridiculously fast but in all of that that i had read and i used to play this uh, computer game girl earl, earl weaver baseball and they didn't have the license for any of the new players 
So all of the teams were made up of players from the first like 50 years of the 1900s. Like one team was 19 to 1910. Another team was 1911 to 1920. And they were like the all-star teams of these players from these, you know, decades way back before, you know, we had the biggest, you know, this 50s, 60s where really baseball became as huge as it was. Uh, and so I knew all these names, but I'd never heard about a women's professional league. And I remember going to the theater with my family and watching the movie and absolutely loving every second of it. Uh, Tom Hanks gives an amazing performance. And it was kind of just this perfect moment where he was just on the precipice of his incredible run where he's getting nominated for Best Actor Oscars for everything he does. Uh, and he did this movie right before that. Um, I was a huge Gina Davis fan after that. Madonna's in it. Lloyd Petty, Rosie O'Donnell. I mean, it is an incredible cast. Uh, one of the Cusacks. Uh, you've got even John Lovitz shows up. Gary Marshall, Bill Pullman. It is just a ridiculously awesome cast and a highly underrated movie. If you have not watched it in a long time, I highly recommend going back. So it, it was uh, It's one of my favorite movies, period. And my number one mo baseball movie of all time is a league of their own because it opened up my eyes and made me start looking for books and more information about this entire period of baseball that I didn't know about. Uh, also that year, another movie that opened my eyes to a different type of baseball reality was a movie called Mr. Baseball starring Tom Selleck. And Tom Selleck was always a fa favorite in my family uh, because of Magnum PI. I remember watching that when I was a little kid. Uh, it's, I always wanted to be able to grow a mustache so I could look like him and I've tried and it looks nothing like him. So I do not currently wear a mustache. Uh, but Mr. Baseball tells the story of a slugger for the New York Yankees, Jack Elliott, who is at the end of his career and is getting replaced by this new hot prospect and gets sold to a team in the Japanese baseball league. And it goes on to tell the story of this, you know, American sort of fish out of water story, trying to, to bring his, you know, understanding of how baseball is played and reconcile that with how baseball and traditions and, and rules are different in the Japanese baseball league and culture clash. And it, there's also a little bit of a, a romance story in there, but it really opened up my eyes to a whole nother world of baseball beyond just the, you know, us version that I had seen before. Uh, Tom Selleck does an incredible job being both believable as a baseball player and also, you know, annoying enough and sort of uh, gruff enough that you could see how he would rub people the wrong way, but has this sort of over time, this complex character that evolves and the relationship with his head coach, who is also the record holder for the home runs in one season that Jack is on the, you know, is about to break. Uh, is really interesting. And Dennis Haysbert, uh, from, uh, who would go on to be uh, the president on 24. And also, I think he's in all the All-State commercials, uh, is another player on his team, uh, American player who is playing in Japan. Uh, it's a highly underrated movie. I think it gets forgotten baseball because it doesn't have some of the big names. You know, the Major League Baseball is only mentioned sort of tangentially. Uh, but it is highly uh, underrated. And I also came out in 1992. And as I'm going through, I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of neat. Two movies that I associated with baseball and we had on VHS and would watch on every road trip in the summer. Uh, both came out in 92. That, that's kind of interesting. You know, not a big, huge trend there. And then I was like, okay, well, 
let's look at some other ones. So another movie that I watched all the time about baseball in the 90s was The Sandline. It came out in 1993. Uh, it is often considered the most pure baseball movie about kids playing a pickup game in a yard and the love of baseball and youth and friendship. And everybody knows, you know, the scenes where the baseball goes over the fence and the dog gets it or when they're trying to, to tell uh, the kid who doesn't know about baseball about Babe Ruth and all the nicknames and, uh, you know, uh, squints who you know then fakes drowning so windy peppercorn the lifeguard can come save him it is as much about childhood as it is about baseball but baseball is always sort of the background that they put the you know the context that gives us these stories of these kids uh and it came out in 1993 and i'm like well that's kind of weird you know it's just another you know one year away from the last two movies we saw and i was like okay well it was another one uh rookie of the year which tells the story of a kid who has an accident and hurts his elbow, but suddenly becomes a incredible pitcher because he can throw the ball so fast. It is possibly the least believable movie, baseball movie, other than maybe say like angels of the outfield where literal angels are helping the California angels win uh, baseball games. The kid becomes a pitcher in the major league drops out of middle school uh, and becomes a major league baseball player and gets the Cubs almost all the way to the playoffs. Uh, it's got a great cast. Th Thomas Ian Nicholas, who played the main character, uh, would go on to be in tons of stuff. Um, most famously American pie, uh, which you know came out a few years later. It was American pie, right? Yeah. American pie. And it was American wedding, you know, all of those. Um, it's also got Gary Busey, which it's weird to think of Gary Busey in a baseball movie. Daniel Stern is in it. And it's got this great story of a kid who kind of lives every kid's dream. I mean, I remember going out thinking like, man, if I could just get in an accident where my arm gets messed up to the point where there's a tendon that's so stretched that I can throw the baseball 102 miles an hour, that would be the greatest thing ever. The other thing that would be great for a middle school kid is actually owning the Minnesota Twins. And when I was in seventh grade, that was a thing that Hollywood decided was a movie that everyone should go and watch called Little Big. Uh, of course, the kid at the, uh, inherits the team, becomes the manager, uh, even though he is you know, a 12-year-old kid. Uh, Timothy Busfield is probably the biggest star in the whole movie. Uh, Dennis Farina, uh, Jason Robards. Uh, but it was filmed in Minnesota. Uh, in the mid-90s, Minnesota was doing uh, all of these tax credits for films. So we got a bunch of films that were made here, including, you know, Little Big League, uh, Fargo, Grumpy Old Men, uh, Jingle All the Way. Um, there was a, there was a, another one, uh, Feeling Minnesota. A whole bunch of movies were made in the 90s. Oh, um, Drop Dead Gorgeous was in Minnesota and also... Uh, there was a unofficial sequel that I cannot remember the name of that was also filmed in Minnesota, but it was the mid nineties. Everybody was getting uh, tax breaks to film here. And so they filmed this entire movie in the Metrodome. And I remember we tried to get in as extras because there's a scene in the movie where, you know, they're showing all the crowd and they basically just put out a radio ad saying, Hey, everybody come down to the Metrodome. And the first like 10,000 people will get to be in this movie. 
and I tried to convince my parents to go and it didn't work out. So I didn't get to be in a movie, uh, but it was weirdly perfect for Hollywood to say, hey, you could be a middle schooler and run the Major League Baseball team. In fact, it is the Major League Baseball team that you wish to run, uh, the Minnesota Twins. And that came out in 1994. So you've got a league of their own, Mr. Baseball, both in 1993, Sandlot, Rookie of the Year in, I'm sorry, 1992. Sandlot and Rookie of the Year were in 1993, and Little Big League was in 1994. So five of the top seven baseball movies of my life came out in a three-year period. And this was like the height of baseball in pop culture. And I asked myself, what happened that suddenly baseball movies really don't get made like they were getting made in the early 90s? And the same thing that turned Hollywood off to baseball is the thing that led to me for about a five to six year period, not really paying attention to baseball. And that was in the summer of 1994, Major League Baseball and the Players Association uh, could not agree on a contract. The players went on strike. And in 1994, there was no World Series. The season ended. And I and a lot of other people became disenfranchised with baseball. Uh, They then went on to have talks of contracting a league and getting rid of teams and restructuring and it wasn't until they decided to let everybody take steroids in the late nineties that anybody really started to come back to baseball. Uh, and in 1998, the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire home run chase brought people back to the game. But I don't know that we will ever like approach the heights of baseball as the national pastime and being in pop culture consciousness, like we did in the early nineties ever again. So if you are excited about tomorrow's opening day, and you're excited about baseball, and you want to watch some movies from the heyday of baseball in pop culture, in my opinion, watch any of these five movies that came out from 1992 to 1994, and you'll see what could have been the peak that we will never see again of baseball in America's pop culture consciousness. Awesome. This is Kevin Armstrong, your host for Movie Battle. Each episode, we take two films and put a super fan of each against one another to decide which one is best. The only rule we have is that you come correct. If you're interested in being a guest on Movie Battle, please check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. All right, so a few weeks back, we talked about the serial killer that Hannibal Lecter is based off of. Uh, in England, mm-hmm. his name is Robert Maudsley, even down to the prison cell that Hannibal is confined into. It's modeled after Robert's prison cell. Mm-hmm. So I kind of made the joke that you could kind of call him Hannibal, a uh, Dexter Lecter. Well, we have a real life Dexter on our hands. Or is, that's actually his nickname is the Brazilian Dexter. Okay. His name is Pedro Rodriguez Filho. Uh, he was born July 17th of 1954. He's also known as Pedrino Matador or Killer Petey. He was actually born on a farm in Santa Rita do Supacar, the south of Minas Geras, with a bruised skull. And the reason for that is because his father 
was such a great man. Not really. His father was so abusive, he actually kicked Pedro's mother during a fight in the midst of her pregnancy. The abuse from his father continued throughout his childhood. Pedro reportedly began having feelings like these murderous feelings at a really early age. And I'm sure it's because of TBI, traumatic brain injury, which is one of the things we have talked about that leads to serial killers. He had no choice. He was born that way. I mean, I'm not excusing him, but he was literally born that way. Right. So again, he reported, uh, he reportedly started having murderous feelings at like a really early age. Allegedly, he had wanted to kill the first time around the age of 13. He was in a fight with an older cousin and he pushed this cousin into a sugar cane press, almost killing him. When Pedro was 14, his father who was a a school guard at the local high school, was fired by the deputy or the vice mayor of Alfinas for stealing food from the school kitchen. Well, in retaliation for what Pedro believed to be a wrongful accusation, Pedro, at the age of 14, Mm -hmm. killed the deputy mayor in front of City Hall with a shotgun that had belonged to uh, his grandfather. Then, in a warped sense of justice, Pedro found the man who was suspected of being the actual thief, who was a security guard, and killed him. Just for good measure. So, again, it's a, a, a warped sense of justice. He, he, he was avenging his father mm-hmm. by killing the deputy mayor and avenging his father again by killing the person who was actually responsible so he took out the person responsible because they were responsible and because it wronged his father. He's covering all the bases. Mm-hmm. So Pedro then fled to Moga de Cruces. Uh, it's in Greater Sao Paulo, where he went on to become a bit of a vigilante. So <laughs> he starts robbing drug dens and he actually killed a drug dealer while he was in Sao Paulo. So you can kind of get why they're calling him the Brazilian Dexter because he is so far kind of taking out bad people. I mean, yes, in the case of drug dealers and stuff like that, but in the case of the mayor, the the vice mayor, I mean, he thought that that person had done wrong. So he has this right. weird sense of vigilante justice. It's like, it's like the line from True Lies when... Somebody asked Arnold Schwarzenegger if he ever killed anyone. And he says, yeah, but they were all bad. So while he's in Sao Paulo, Pedro meets Maria Aparecida Olympia, a.k.a. Botina, which is little boot or baby booty. And he (laughs) completely falls in love with her. She reciprocates the two fall in love and they move in together. Pedro, Pedro and Maria, they're living this like this happy lifestyle um and then well like any fairy tale something bad happens and unfortunately maria uh is murdered Mm. she's murdered by gang members we've already got a sense of pedro's justice system Mm -hmm. probably some bad news for these individuals i should add that maria was also pregnant at the time of her death. 
So in very John Wick fashion, yeah. Pedro sets out for vengeance. The only thing missing making this a John Wick story really is the dog. Yeah. So he starts off by uh, torturing and killing several people, seeking out the responsible parties for Maria's death. It turns out it was a former rival gang leader. So Pedro and four friends paid this gang leader a little visit during a wedding. And they killed seven people and wounded 16 others. It's like Desperado. <sighs> Several months after the wedding massacre or the Game of Thrones lingo, was it the Red Wedding? The red Wedding, yeah. So Pedro discovered that his favorite cousin's boyfriend had gotten her pregnant but refused to marry her. So Pedro, you know, he went to talk to him and Fortunately for this guy, he convinced him, look, dude, you need to go ahead and marry my cousin. And the guy was like, okay, cool. No, not really. Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> didn't, didn't work out that way? No. So uh, I guess maybe that was the intention, but that's not how it ended. Pedro ended up shooting and killing him. At this time, oh. Pedro's not even 18. So we have the security guard, the vice mayor. We also have the uh, people from the wedding. So we've got seven. The seven people from the wedding. So that's nine right there. We've also got uh, a drug dealer. So we're up and then the cousin's boyfriend. So we're up to what? 11 people at least? At least. Yeah. At least. Before, before he's before 18. He's, you know, before he's 18. Yeah. So next up, we've got Yet another revenge killing. So you remember Pedro's dad, the one yes. who kicked his mom while he was pregnant with him, right? Yeah. Causing this traumatic brain injury and maybe the reason that Pedro is how he is. Mm -hmm. Well, during the time that Pedro was away, Pedro's father ended up killing Pedro's mother oh. using a machete. So... Pedro learned of his mother's death, and then he learned of his father's whereabouts. His father was in the city, in prison, in the city of Mogi. So Pedro goes to Mogi, to the jail, to visit his father, and he executes him. He stabs him 22 times. I guess one for every stab that his mother received, and then maybe an extra one for good measure because wow. Pedro's dad had stabbed his mom 21 times. According to a TV interview that Pedro had with journalist Marcelo Rosende, Pedro said on top of the 22 stab wounds, he then cut out his father's heart and chewed on a piece of it before spitting it out. <sighs> Pedro's Hannibal Lecter part. Yeah. So Pedro's vigilante reign comes to an end on May 24th of 1973. Okay, not really. Um, he was actually <laughs> arrested, though. He was arrested on May 24th of 1973, and he was placed into the back of a police vehicle with two other criminals, one of which was a rapist. Now, we're up to at least 12 because he's just killed his father. Mm -hmm. Well, when Pedro and the other criminals arrived at the police station and authorities opened the door, they found 
the rapist. Dead. Pedro, still handcuffed, took full responsibility for the death. I mean, look, it's, I mean, look, it, I, I get it. He's a bad guy, but it's kind of hard because look at his, look at his victims. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're all bad. They're all bad guys, even his dad. Like, I mean, I get it. It's your dad. You shouldn't kill your dad, but your dad killed your mom. And he kicked her in the stomach and caused you to have traumatic brain injury. This guy's like the angel of death, just walking around, striking people down. So Pedro, (laughs) during his incarceration, we're up to 13 now, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, it gets much higher than that. So Pedro, during his incarceration, killed 47 inmates. He was dubbed the criminal killer, taking out those he deserved, he felt deserved retribution. Once he was ambushed by five prisoners, he killed three and wounded the other two. One one victim of his was a cellmate, a career criminal. And the reason he killed him, he snored too loudly. Oh, I knew that was coming. As somebody who's a bad snorer, I was like, oh, it's going to be snoring. It be a death of me someday. It is a criminal event. In an interview, he said he got a thrill and a joy out of killing other criminals. His favorite method to use was stabbing or hacking blades. Again, I get it. It's a bad dude, but notice what he said. A joy and thrill out of killing other criminals. He's not going after innocent people. Yeah, no, he's he's just decreasing the surplus prison population. So Pedro was sentenced to 128 years, but a Brazilian law on the books prohibits anyone from spending more than 30 years behind bars. So he was actually set for release in 2003. But in 1934, then President Gutilio Vargas signed a decree that, quote, allowed psychopaths to be maintained indefinitely in psychiatric establishments for treatment that along with the additional crimes that pedro committed while incarcerated added to his sentence so it went from 128 to 400 years so just in case this guy's immortal he's gonna be in jail for a long time right yeah well you would think right so and he wasn't released in 2003 like he thought he was gonna be Psychiatrists say Pedro could be described as a psychopath, a person with no remorse and no compassion for others. Psychopaths also do not develop affection. So it could actually be argued that Pedro showing affection for both his mother and girlfriend would actually make him a sociopath. Mm. His, His affections were shown in the wanting of revenge for their deaths and moving in and falling in love with a girlfriend. Yeah, that's that's having emotion. Right. Yeah. So in 1982, he was actually diagnosed as a paranoid and antisocial character with psychiatrists saying that his greatest motivation in life was the violent affirmation of oneself. So after being incarcerated for 34 years, Pedro finds freedom. Pedro was actually released on April 24th of 2007. He was arrested again on April, excuse me, on September 15th of 2011, but not for what you would think. He was actually arrested this time on charges of rioting and deprivation of liberty, aka false imprisonment. 
So he made it four years. Mm -hmm. And he didn't kill. Yeah. Pedro served until 2018 and was released again. Since his release, Pedro has his own YouTube channel. There's a documentary about him. And a film is in the works about his life. As far as we know, since his release, he hasn't murdered anyone. Maybe, you know, being 66 now has kind of mellowed him out. Well, yeah. And I mean, when you've killed 60 some people, because I'm mean, 47 in jail and he had a 13 that we had before. I mean, maybe he's just like, oh, man, I've done it all. Maybe. Maybe. The 1934 decree that we talked about was actually repealed on November 8th of 1990. Pedro appears to actually be inspiration for several characters on different episodes of Criminal Minds. On season one, the unsub Vincent Peretta on the episode called Natural Born Killers. The episode is about a prolific serial killer with an abusive father killing his first victim as a teen. Season three, episode True Night... Johnny, uh, Johnny Mattel is a serial killer whose fiance was killed by a gang and he violently avenges her death. Also used long blade weapons, similar to Pedro. Season five, episode Public Enemy, Connor O'Brien is a serial killer whose father murdered his mother and was abused as a child and avenged his mother's death by killing his father. So there we have the story of the Brazilian Dexter the fact that he's free and, and now is a popular youtuber is just is the part that like doesn't seem real i didn't say it was popular i just said he had a youtube channel well i mean fair but still the, the fact that he has a youtube channel you know what i mean like that just seems too over the top <laughs> i'm sure it is popular um i i did see just a little bit of some of it um i don't remember the views on it but you know yeah that's just crazy and like you said, it's it's you you don't murder is bad, but it, it is conflicting when he's murdering bad guys. Right. I mean, all of his victims, even at the wedding, the victims from what I could find were all like drug dealers and gang members. Yeah. So there you have the life of Pedro, who you can find on YouTube if you are interested. <laughs> okay. So according to the story I just found, he has twenty eight thousand subscribers and over 2.5 million views interesting that's a lot mm -hmm. wow i mean who doesn't want to hear the the story from the man himself yeah i mean I, i'm i'm curious i'm gonna go look it up more i don't know even when this article is from because it, it looks to be a translated article it doesn't give me a lot of doesn't have like a published date but uh yeah, it would, he was out of jail for seven months. You said he got out in 2014? 2018. 2018. So this, you know, within the last couple of years, that's that's amazing. All right. So there you have it. Of course, all of our sources will be posted on our website, a-side-b-side-podcast.square.site. Uh, if you would like to help the show, you can do that several ways. You can log on to Apple and you can rate and review. We would love it if you would rate and or review. Um, also, you can check out all of our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We also have Buy Me A Coffee. It's buymeacoffee.com slash A-side B-side pod. And again, 
There's lots of cool merch on the website. I know I'm biased because I created it and designed it, but I think it's but pretty cool. It looks really good. So you can uh, also get that on the website as well, asidebsidepodcast.square.site. Do you have anything you want to add? No, no. I'm I'm still kind of reeling from the 60-some deaths and the guy's got a YouTube channel. I mean, it's not really hard to set up a YouTube yeah, channel. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's not I'm, I'm just impressed i mean just i mean it's 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 such a modern story i mean i mean i'm sure if jack the ripper had been caught and it was modern days he'd have a you know tiktok or something uh i'm i'm sure and it would be very popular because everybody would want to know what's going yeah. on with jack the ripper well it's like why do we all you know you see a car crash or you hear an alarm go off or you know i, I know when i hear you know, some sounds outside in the street. I go to the window to see what's going on. It's just human nature. But there you have it. I believe this coming week, we will also be featured on our friend Kevin Armstrong's uh, podcast movie battle. Mm -hmm. um, and you can check that out, of course, wherever streaming is available. It was, it was great fun to be on that as well. Uh, check out some of the other episodes. It's a really fun concept pit pitting similar movies against each other to see which movie comes out on top. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, check that out on uh, any of your favorite streaming services. And uh, there you go. Here's another episode of a side B side podcast. Don't forget bad vibes, save lives. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, Brooke. As always, thank you for listening to A-Side B-Side Podcast. If you enjoy the show, please, if you don't mind, head on over to Apple and leave us a rating or a review. And if you'd like to continue to support the podcast, you can do so by heading on over to Patreon or you can buy us a coffee, as well as buying merch on our website, asidebsidepodcast.square.site. From Adam and I at A-Side B-Side Podcast, please remember to wear your mask, social distance if you're around people that don't live in your household, and just be safe and happy. Thanks again from us here at A-Side B-Side Podcast. <laughs>